My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu on Kaya 959. Our next guest is our businesswoman on the move this evening. She's a seasoned marketing executive leader with more than 16 years of brand marketing experience in South Africa and the rest of the African continent. Having served in various executive committees in her career, she has a deep understanding of the profitable uh, commercialization of products and services in mobile telecommunications, fiber network operations, fintech, retail and corporate investment banking, as well as short-term insurance and life assurance. A very good evening to you, Hazel Chamandamba, Executive Head of Marketing at Celsi. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Good evening, Sumitra. Hello to the Kai FM listeners. It's lovely to have you. And I mean, you know, we, we, we chatted earlier very briefly. And I mean, you, you're you just 39 years old and you've already been in an executive leadership role for a few years. That's fairly young. Tell me about how it all started for you. Oh, thank you very much, Sumitra. Jeez, it's been quite a journey, in fact. And, um, you know, one doesn't necessarily stumble upon these opportunities, but it's also just a combination of being ready for opportunities when, you know, they do come knocking on the door and also knowing what you want and what your next move is and what you won't accept, um, even if it comes knocking on the door. So it's also been very much about values-based roles along the way um, without sounding philosophical or anything of that nature but um, I've always known the field that I wanted to pursue from a fairly young age. Growing up I wanted to become a chartered accountant because that's what I was exposed to and that was the epitome of success in my society but as I learnt more about um, Maslow's hierarchy of needs because I studied accounting and business management in high school I then decided I actually wanted to study a BCom in marketing management and I I, you know, I took the leap, I did so, and I did take financial management for the entire course though, for the entire three-year degree. But marketing was really my passion. I fell in love with the discipline of marketing and addressing customer needs and just analyzing how brands like Unilever at the time were um, such prominent brands in the market and how they were a part of everyone's day-to-day lives. And I knew there and then that's the field I wanted to pursue. And I mean, those who know me will tell you that I've got a very vibey, bubbly personality. I'm a people person and I love to engage. And definitely, I, I believe that marketing is well um, well adapted. There's, there's synergy between my personality and the function that I perform from a career perspective. So that's really how I landed up doing um, what I do. But, you know, focusing on how I then developed and you know walked up that corporate ladder to then become an executive. It hasn't been an easy journey, but I've also had amazing people in my life that have helped push me along the way and pull me, um, if I, you know, when I was slipping. So I've been fortunate enough to have great managers, great mentors, um, great leaders that surrounded me and it just made that journey a lot easier. Was that always the case for you though? Because you also sound like you don't take no for an answer very easily. <laughs> and when you, and when you talk about, you know, knowing what you want and knowing where you want to go, uh, what's the end goal? It's not always as easy as just saying it or thinking it and knowing it. 
um, often you hit closed doors. I mean, it is a bit of a challenge for some people to actually get through that. And and if, if you are being told no along the way or try again some other time, what then do you do? I mean, did you ever have to go through that? Definitely. I think, you know, before I even look at the career aspect, it's just um, people tend to have a, you know, we all have a vision. We all know what we want and how, we, you know, where we want to get to. But often we don't plan that route in terms of how we want to get there. And more more times than not, you find that you end up reaching your destination, but the route or the path you take isn't necessarily the same one that you mapped for yourself. And it's just a case of being open to taking a slightly different route to get to the end goal and being open to other routes. Unfortunately, when we are in that situation, it doesn't seem like it's an option at all. It seems like you've been derailed completely. It feels like it's a detour. But the reality is that there's always, um, you know, there's a reason for that detour. And you only realize it when you reflect back many years later. Um, In my instance, for example, I started my career in the field of public affairs. Um, That was the first job that I got, you know, it was in the corporate affairs office. And then I left my corporate job at Citigroup to pursue eventing at an agency. And my boss at the time couldn't understand why I was leaving a corporate environment to go into an agency. I was young and she made it very clear. She told me, she painted the picture and she told me how difficult it was going to be in the agency mm-hmm. environment, the long nights, the long days, the weekends of, you know, the work, working weekends and the like. But I think the naivety of it all, of being young and not knowing what to expect, I took the plunge anyway. Uh, you know, so I left the corporate affairs corporate space and went into an agency and did events for a couple of years. And then I ended up with sponsorships um, back in the corporate environment. But that agency foundation that I had established for about four years really geared me for what was to come in the corporate space as a sponsorship manager. It molded me and I could literally take anything because I'd been through the rough, tough school of agencies and servicing clients and the like. And then eventually, you know, morphed and went into brand management um, before then focusing on classical marketing, which is what I'm doing now. But all of those seeming detours along the way were actually meant to be there. They were meant to mold me into who I am today. The obstacles I faced in the agency environment, the late nights and everything, they just made me a a person who's really able to perform in a high performance organization as a full-on adult in the corporate world. Well, you went into it after being told, you know, it's going to be tough, but you still went for it. I want to look at how important mentorship is. And you said that, you know, you were fortunate enough to have those great managers that pulled you through. But, you know, in the bigger context of things, mentorship is important in every single industry. Um, do we have enough? I mean, do we carry others with us as we move up? And I'll, I'll answer that in two parts, in fact. So, you know, what what is a mentor? Mm-hmm. I think often, you know, we receive these emails in, as older women in the industry, right? Yeah. Not because we're accomplished, but because we experience and have walked that path before the younger ones. So you receive emails and, you know, via LinkedIn mailboxes and the like, and people are asking you to be their mentor. But a mentor is not necessarily an idol or a role model. It's just someone who's 
doing something right that resonates with you as an individual. We're all human, we all have faults. Mm. And you can have several mentors because each one speaks to a different attribute that resonates with you as an individual. So I do believe that we're probably all mentors um, in our own environment, whether it's at a community level, you know, you're someone's big sister, you're someone's older cousin. There's an attribute in you, in each one of us, that those around us look up to us for, whether it's in the church environment, um, at school, at work, or in the family space. So I think we're all mentors, and when we're seeking mentorship, it's important to know that you don't need to just have a single mentor. You can have multiple mentors, mm. and they don't have to look like you. They don't have to sound like you. They don't have to come from the same place you came from. They don't have to be the same gender as you. But if they've got that one attribute that you feel um, you resonate with, then you have to pursue that relationship. And, you know, it's all about opening doors um, for each other. And you'll be surprised, but mentors have also started, you know, as you get older, I suppose, your former mentors become peers and they're doors that you can also open for those who were mentors to you 20 years ago because the industry is always a very small um, small industry, right? And we keep encountering each other. So mentorship is not having to do, have nothing to do with age. It really has everything to do with shared values and shared attributes. I hear you. So, I mean, you know, it's also about sharing that knowledge. And are, mm. and I suppose, are we sharing enough, especially with other women? Are we actually, uh, you know, sharing all of this knowledge, holding their hand, taking them through it, teaching them the ropes, getting them into those positions? You know, we, we, we spoke about younger people coming through and, you know, you at 39 in executive leadership, in an executive leadership role, while more young people should be coming up, do we, are we opening up the spaces for them? I believe there's a lot that can still be done um, across different industries and sectors um, to really open it up and be willing to not even take a chance, but be willing to listen to those who appear to be younger than us. And yet we don't even... We don't give them an opportunity to even open their mouths because we perceive them to be young millennials. Mm. Now, I sat in a meeting the other day and I actually remind the forum that millennials are people who are actually turning 40 this year. So we need to stop viewing millennials as people who are, you know, of a certain stereotype because that doesn't exist. You know, you can have a youthful spirit, but that doesn't mean that you're not ready to take on challenges and roles if you've got the if you you have the right skill um, and acumen and you're capable there's really no reason why those opportunities should not be opened up for younger folk and then you know you talked about and I suppose it's believing the knowledge young people are coming up with the skills Mm. they're also hungry for it but people need to open up those opportunities leaders in in, you know in powerful positions need to actually open up those um, those opportunities for them to actually get into those spaces exactly we talk Mm. about diversity but often we talk about diversity in the gender in the the gender and racial context but never in the uh, in the the age context Mm. and in the mentality context because diversity is having diverse minds around the table. A younger person will bring a very different perspective to a subject matter in that boardroom that everybody else who's much older would not have thought about because that's not their world and that's not their ecosystem. So we do need, if you're going to drive diversity and inclusion, we do need diversity of mind, diversity of age as well in the boardroom. Um, You touched on something around, are we transferring that knowledge um, to other women, to other individuals, to younger people? But transfer of knowledge is, you know, it's a two-pronged 
um, fork almost because in order for knowledge to be transferred, it means that feedback needs to be given in the process because it's communication, right? Feedback needs to be given, but feedback also needs to be well received. And one of the things I found very challenging um, and continue to struggle with and work on um, is receiving and giving feedback. And I, when, I, when I observe, I that we don't really know how to take feedback. Well, I'll speak for myself. It took me a while. In my earlier years, I used to struggle with taking feedback, yeah. uh, you know, from more experienced peers, from mentors, from managers, and um, people around me. But over time, as I became a little bit more self-aware, I started to realize that feedback is a gift. Yeah. Um, but it is, mm. it is also very tough to take criticism. Um, so you need to be willing to take that criticism in order for you to grow and actually soak in that knowledge that's being transferred to you. And it's something that I've, you know, as a leader, I endeavor to provide constructive feedback in a manner that's really going to grow the individual I'm sharing that feedback with. And I'm also open to taking feedback um, from people around me. And it's something that one continuously works on because it really isn't easy to take criticism. I mean, the criticism is so important though, because you could walk around not knowing and, and not understanding, not having a better understanding or not changing anything if somebody doesn't actually give it to you. And you Absolutely. you need to decide yeah, you need to decide on whether you actually want that or you don't want it, but this is the downfall of not having it. So I mean yes. I, I just feel it's so important. What is what the most important lesson that you've learned that you'd like to share with women ha- as they, you know, climb this corporate ladder? The most important lesson would be to observe and listen. That's absolutely critical. Sometimes just watching your manager, assuming they're a good manager and a good leader, of course, and just watching them, listening to them, that's the best thing you can do for yourself. So I, I, I continue to do a lot of that. Watch, listen, and understand, you know, what, what are the crux of what's being delivered. And I mean, so that's good, absolutely critical. And I mean, good leadership is really about continuous learning. You're constantly Mm. learning how to be better, how to do it differently, how, you know, to improve the entire situation. Exactly. You know, so whilst you're observing and listening, um, that continuous learning is absolutely critical. And you can only learn if you know your shortcomings. You need to know what you don't know in order for you to be able to learn and grow. So that's um, something that's a fundamental um, aspect as far as career growth is concerned. And just being aware of your shortcomings and addressing them. You know, that, that that's also very, very important. And, you know, upskilling oneself. I mean, the, you know, we talk about the 444IR and the technological revolution. But the reality is that, you know, humans and AI have got to coexist, but we need to ensure that we prepare ourselves with the right skills to be able to operate in an environment that is more digitized. Um, As a marketer, you know, we've seen a huge shift in the last decade or so towards digital marketing. And if one is sitting on their laurels and watching the digital marketing ecosystem evolve as a marketer, will be, you know, one will be left behind. So mm-hmm. it's important to upskill oneself and become more astute um, within various fields um, because that's the only way we'll remain relevant and be able to keep up with the pace as things are changing around us. If anything, the last year should prove uh, you know, um, a, a wealth of experience and also um, a game changer in uh, in terms of what happened with COVID. How did you manage this time? How did you get through this? I mean, we're still going through it, but I mean, 2020 was beyond awful. It was beyond awful, Sumitra. 
And I, I like to look at 2020 from a number of angles. So yes, it was really disruptive at the best of times. I'm a mom of three, by the way. So I was also playing teacher during the online schooling phase, which was very difficult. Oh. I was also trying to juggle my teams and Zoom meetings. On the other hand... You're alive. Lining, <laughs> I'm alive. I made it. <laughs> we all did. But the silver lining there, Sumitra, is that I got to bond with my children. I got to watch them grow for an entire year in a manner I've never done in my career. Mm. Um, I realized what I've been missing out on. And I got to get the boat, but you know, I got to live the best of both worlds by being at home, working from home, and just being part of their lives. As busy as I was, I got to hug them. You know, after a few meetings, I got to check on them. I actually appreciated being um, at home and being able to work from home during that period, as stressful as it was, because we're all working 14-hour days as a result of it. But um, that, for me, was the silver lining. I got to bond with my family because of that. Absolutely. We always have to look for some positivity in all of this. And I think the one thing was that we got to spend a lot of good quality time um, with our family um, and spend time that we wouldn't have done on an ordinarily uh, ordinary basis. Um, and I started studying, by the way, so I did utilize my time quite effectively. You do like to pack it on, hey? Have a plate <laughs> full, full. <laughs> Hazel, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for uh, speaking to me tonight. Thanks for your time. Hazel Chamahandamba, Executive Head of Marketing at Celsi. She was our businesswoman on the move this evening. My Money and Me with Sumitra Naidu every Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m. on Kaya 959.